Why, hello there, priests. You have found the hardest book review podcast there is, where we digest life-changing books. We shit out greatness, and we change our lives one book at a time. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. And here we go. This is Troy Hollings with the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. Welcome back. We are all a work in progress. We all evolve. You know, maybe we used to be a smoker. Maybe we used to be addicted to betting on dog fighting. Or maybe you just used to steal those little gloves from the doctor's office. Me? I never used to plan. You know, I got lots of examples of this. You know, one one Valentine's Day, I kind of just assumed that there was a red lobster in this town. I didn't make a reservation. Turns out, no red lobster. We had to drive an hour, and I didn't have a reservation. <sighs> I was in trouble. But the crowning example was when I accidentally crucified both of my feet like Jesus Christ himself. The day was September 11th, 2016. A humid armpit of a day. I had friends coming over in a couple hours and uh, the wife was out in the barn with the goats and I, I had a question. I can't remember what it was. So I just walked out and uh, wanted to ask her a question. Now, I pretty much always had an active disrespect for fashion. So uh, I had these hideous orange Crocs. Uh, they were like three sizes too big, but fuck it, I got them for free. And you're, you're not going to sit here and tell me that, you know, I'm a bad person because my feet are ugly. Like, get out of here. So I slip on these Crocs and I journey out to the barn where the wife was feeding the animals. And I say, hey, baby. And that's all I got out. See, it was at this moment I knew that I fucked up. I go from calm evening, excited for friendship, to full-on fight or flight in half a second. Now, the wife tells me I always clomp around in the house, like, you walk so heavily, but I like to just think that I walk assertively. So I, I assertively step down, I take another step, and boom, I step down hard as fuck, and a nail goes through my crock and into my foot. I scream, oh, fucking God damn it. Oh, God damn it. And I jump off the nail, you know, thinking like, oh, this is actually stuck to my fucking foot. I got to get out of here. I, I coil my body up and I leap off of this nail. My foot lands what I thought was going to be safety. Another fucking nail. Oh, God fucking damn it. Oh, God, I've double crucified my feet. Both my feet stuck to the board it turns out there was a a board with nails in it on the ground i fall to the ground covered in shit both my feet stuck to this board blood is squirting everywhere all over my crocs and i yell pascal help and you know she turns the corner because like she glimpsed me through the window and was like oh my idiot husband's here to ask me a question and then she walks around you know 10 seconds later, I'm laying down on the ground, blood everywhere, covered in shit, and both my feet are fucking glued to a board. And she laughs at me. I, she, she helps me. She kneels down. She takes the board with nails in it uh, out of my left 
croc and out of my left foot, out of my right croc and out of my right foot. And then I just drag my fucking body inside like like Tiny Tim in that investment parable about Scrooge. And um, she puts this blue shit all over my feet that's for horses, but it helped a lot. And this is how you know you're married because that was my fault. You know, why didn't you look where you're going? Oh, I'm sorry, woman. I didn't expect you to leave traps around my fucking house. But anyways, friends show up. I'm on the ground the whole night. Just an overall horrible experience. The next day I go to med check. I walk in on both of my heels and and I say, well, okay, I, excuse me, can you help me? I, uh, I crucified both my feet and then got goat shit in the wounds. Um, I'm not a doctor, but like, I'm pretty sure I need some medicine or something. And they laughed at me too. They're like, wait, you did this by accident? I'm like, yes, asshole, I fucking did, okay? Can you help me? And so then I have to sit on this exam table. I have to soak both of my feet in an iodine solution. And I'm not sure if any of you guys have ever soaked your fucking crucified feet in an iodine solution for 20 minutes, but there's no way to do that without rounding your back. So I'm sitting there, my back hurts, my feet hurt, I have to pay money, this is hell. But now I plan. I've moved past that. I plan much better, and I never wear Crocs to the barn. I have evolved. And societies, they also evolve. You know, we used to have convicts fight wild animals for sport. We did the crusades. I mean, if you think about it, we used to have human beings as an asset class. But we've moved past a lot of that. And a lot of times, evolution is good. But sometimes, we evolve too far. You know, maybe, maybe we have so much technology that we lose our human connection. Maybe in the future, people don't even date. You know, you just hook yourself up to this milk machine and, and in VR and then, you know, you, you meet your wife who, who lives in who lives in Iran. I don't know. I'm not. Just look into it. So sometimes things just go too far because sometimes what used to be acceptable to publicly say is now frowned upon. And I'm not saying things like, you know, it's the wife's moral duty to support her husband. I'm talking about publicly declaring that you want to get rich as hell. See, back in the day, it was okay to say that you wanted to get rich. Uh, some French guy from some book I read that I don't remember, uh, he commented, ho, 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 these Americans, I can't do French, I don't know, I'm French, hey, you want to eat some stuff, man? Whatever. But uh, building their fortune is a national pastime. That's right, French guy. I'm sorry, we don't want to sit around and eat ducks all the time and paint. We want to get rich, boy. You know, even back in the day, there were books like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. You know, Andrew Carnegie, uh, I think the story is Andrew Carnegie, like hired someone to go interview the richest people. And I mean, the quick 80-20 on that book, and it's not worth covering on the podcast. Like the 80-20 is think really, really hard about wanting to get rich, harness your sexual energy and work really hard for 15 years. So there you go. But nowadays it's taboo to say, I want to get rich as hell. I mean, can you imagine going to a career counselor and, you know, maybe you're a high school kid and the career counselor, you know, some professional 37 year old guy who majored in psychology and now regrets it. He's like, so Addison, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Addison's just like rich. And the career counselor's like, no, Addison, like what job? And Addison's like, I don't want to be famous. 
I just want to be rich. 40 mil and some acres makes up for my bitch. And then, you know, the career counselor is like, wait, are you are you quoting Tyga at me? And don't talk about women that way. No, like profession. What do you enjoy? And Addison's like guns, money and online shopping. No, man. What type of work do you enjoy, Addison? I don't know, career counselor guy. I read the Gucci main guide to greatness and I just want to fuck everybody and stack that fucking bread. Okay, we're done here. Get out. Because nowadays, you can't say that. And people who do talk about getting rich most of the time are scammers. You know, buy my multi-level marketing scheme, go to my Tupperware party, or pay me a small monthly fee. I'll let you suck the marrow out of Satan's bones. But occasionally, there are people who straddle the line. Well-respected business minds who also happen to give out the pin number to the Dragon Smog's bank account. People who have credibility and lay out a roadmap for how to get rich without getting lucky. Naval is one of those people. Naval Ravikant was born in 1974 in Delhi, India. At nine years old, he, moves to, he moved to Queens, New York. He moved to a dangerous part of the city in a dangerous time. You know, this was right after Jim Cirillo. Go check out the Guns, Bullets, Gunfights episode. Uh, right after Jim Cirillo was finishing vaccinating the fucking city with bullets. And so um, Naval was like, this shit's dangerous as hell. So he spent a lot of time in the library and uh, getting really good at talking his way out of getting mugged. At 21, he went uh, graduated from Dartmouth. He founded some companies, he got rich as hell, and a bunch of other accomplishments that just make me want to get tattoos and drink to cope with my own inadequacy. A couple fun facts. Um, I saw an article about him. He owns this weird-ass wicker swing chair that I'm sure is like $400. Uh, he one time sued a venture capital firm when he was a startup founder, which is basically like you know, Cinderella going from washerwoman to fucking the prince. And best of all, he's good friends with our boy. All hail Nassim Taleb. Now, this is a weird book because Naval, he actually didn't write this book. See, he's just this philosopher king. He just goes on Twitter, podcasts, sometimes blogs, and just blasts his ideas out into the internet. I first came into contact with him and his ideas on the How to Get Rich Without Getting Lucky tweet storm, which he did turn into a podcast, which I highly recommend. Basically, he just um, you know, tweeted like 200 life-changing principles on Twitter that went viral on how to get rich without getting lucky. And everyone's like, oh shit, that was some good advice, bro. You any more of that? And basically he has been blasting so much value out into the ether that some enterprising fellow named Eric said, bitch, I, I mean, Naval, please, please, Naval, let me collect your aphorisms, principles, and thoughts into a book so that someone can download your wisdom, read it, and not have to scroll through a hundred pages of Twitter. Naval said, okay, and this book was born. Now, Eric, Eric Jorgensen, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. In German, it'd be Jorgensen. So Eric Jorgensen, uh, he gave up a successful career as a male model to devote his life to not having a job and being on Twitter and tweeting about startups. I kid, I kid, Eric, I'm just kidding. He's a very successful thinker, collaborated on this book, and best of all, he fucking loves sandwiches. Like seriously, it's in his Twitter bio, insane. 
I looked at his website, lots of high quality, well thought out content. And he has a similar disdain to me uh, for formatting photos on his website. You know, I'll throw it up and like, I'll find the first photo, put it in. I'm like, and, and you know, if there's supposed to be 200 words and I can see 30, I'm like, God damn it. Good enough. He's like that. Summary. This is Arnold's long lost son, possibly from that fateful encounter with the cleaning lady. And he is here to teach us the way along with Naval. Now, as I mentioned, this book, uh, it's a little disorganized since it wasn't actually supposed to be a book. Um, it's, a, it's split into a few sections like, you know, how to build wealth, how to be happy, how to meditate, whatever. Um, so I'm going to mostly focus on the, the how to get rich section. And then we'll skim some of the more philosophical stuff because, I mean, I'm a knuckle dragon baboon and I ain't got time for no fucking yoga. And I'll make a final comment. Um, this is one of those books where after reading it, it it's kind of hard to have delusions. You know, it's like I was a muggle and then I realized that that Hogwarts is real. And I realized that I can turn my friends into girls with the polyjuice potion. You can't go back to just being a fucking dentist after this. So it's going to be crazy. But contained in this shit is the 80-20 of the 80-20 from one of the smartest, hardest working and best business minds we've come across since Rat to Lab into the foreword. Now this is actually from a baller amongst ballers, the Tim Ferriss. Now, Tim Ferriss was actually my introduction into a lot of this type of business thinking with his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, The 4-Hour Body. Uh, 4-Hour Body slightly misguided. He just says, eat a lot of beans when really calories matter. But hey, I don't hold it against him, Tim. Tim says, it feels strange for me to write these words as I committed many years ago never to write four words. But Tim makes an exception to his ironclad code since Naval is such a fucking man. Naval is one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he's also one of the most courageous, not in the run into the fire without thinking type, but in the think twice and tell everyone they're focusing on the wrong fire type. He's as blunt as a foot to the face, but that's part of what I love and respect about him. He's one of the people I call most for advice. And Tim respects Naval because he questions nearly everything. He can think from first principles. He can test things well. He's good at not fooling himself. He changes his mind a lot. He laughs a lot. He has a huge dick and he doesn't take himself too seriously. This book will give you a good taste of what that cocktail of bullets looks like in Naval's head. Keep your hands up and your minds open. It's time to die. Tim Ferriss. Now, I might have added a couple things there, but that's that's the general gist. That was very nice, Tim. Uh, and then we move into Eric's notes about the book. You know, basically just like a lot of fucking compliments we've already talked about. But um, but Eric says, this book collects the wisdom shared by Naval over the past decade through Twitter, blog posts, and podcasts. With this book, you can get the benefits of a lifetime in a few hours. And with this podcast, again, this is the 80-20 of the 80-20, just fucking steroids, boy. And I'm going to try my best, but this is the definition of a collection of disparate thoughts turned into a book. So if shit gets a little bit crazy, just fucking deal with it. End of the book. Naval says, I grew up in a single parent household, a lot of hardship, and was a poor immigrant. We were in a part of New York City that wasn't very safe. Basically, the library was my after school center. I would just go straight to the library and hang out there until it closed. 
then I would come home. Um, I found an article about the time that that Naval was in New York City. The city was lovingly called the city of crack. Today, I'm an investor personally in about 200 companies, advisor to a bunch. I'm also a partner in a cryptocurrency fund because I'm really into the potential of cryptocurrencies. I was born poor and miserable. I'm now well off, aka rich and happy. I worked at this. I've learned a few things and some principles. I try to lay them out in a timeless manner where you can figure it out for yourself. Because at the end of the day, I can't teach you anything, but maybe I can give you a few hooks that you can remember. How to get rich without getting lucky. Making money is not a thing you do. It's a skill you learn. I'd like to think, and this is Naval talking, not me, I'm a fucking baboon. I'd like to think if I lost all my money and you dropped me in a random street in any English-speaking country, within five to ten years, I'd be wealthy again. Because it's just a skill set I've developed that anyone can develop. Holy shit. That is how I feel. Like when I, I went to an MMA class and I got punched in the face and both my arms got pinned down my first class. And the, the dude, he got me in a crucifix position and he hit me in the left eye and the right eye. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then the coach showed me how to do that. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? All I have to do is like pay attention to your material and I can learn how to crucifix people too. Teach me, Naval. It's not really about hard work. You can work in a restaurant 80 hours a week and you're not going to get rich. Getting rich is about knowing what to do, who to do it with, and when to do it. It is much more about understanding than purely hard work. Yes, hard work matters, and you can't skimp on it, but it has to be directed. Okay, my reaction. So, I think that's great, but keep in mind, when you're starting out, it's really fucking hard to know what to do. So, like, yes, that is great advice telling us to work smart. You know, I uh, just recently fucking finally finished building this horrible giant patio that I thought it could get done in a day and it took me five weeks. Working smart is important. But if I had to lean a certain direction, at least for me, I lean towards working hard as shit. Like I'll do a stupid fucking plan as hard as I can until I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. There's a smarter way. But that's a good point highest level work smart not hard now we move seek wealth not money or status wealth is having assets that earn while you sleep money is how you transfer time and wealth status is your place in the social hierarchy so what he's saying is wealth is having an interest in something that grows. So I have a very nasty pond and the pond has started with a little bit of algae and then more and then more and then more and then more. And then I did fucking nothing. And all of a sudden my whole pond's green. Okay. That's wealth. In this case, it's a bad wealth. I've got a wealth of algae, but he's saying money is how we transfer time. So like, Hey, I don't want to go pick up pizza. So I'm going to just give somebody these imaginary fucking numbers and they'll bring me pizza. It's time. And then it transfers wealth in a sense that you can invest that money into the metaphorical wealth growing algae. And then status, he's saying, is the play, your place in the social hierarchy. So think of like a politician. So he's saying, don't fucking care about specifically 
money or like status seek wealth. He says, ignore people playing status games. They gain status by attacking people playing wealth creation games. So I look at this like being a politician is actually my worst nightmare. Like you have to, you have to like be so well behaved all the time, but then you don't get paid anything because there's like government regulations and you know, everybody hates you and then you can't do anything. And it's much better to like not work that hard and just invest in algae. He would say, you're not going to get rich renting out your time. You must own equity, a piece of a business to gain your financial freedom. Uh, Now, so this is colored through his experience owning and investing in companies. So, uh, you know, when you hear this, don't like, don't mentally think only company. Okay. This is just saying anything that appreciates, think of the algae, but, but happy, but instead of algae, it's like dollars. Yay. Dollars. This is, you know, this is owning a company. Yes. But this is also owning a mutual fund. This is owning investments. This is having rental properties. This is, you know, being part of the, you know, the conglomerate of you and five families who goes and buys a hundred acres of, of tillable farmland. The message here is just, you can't always sit there and trade your time for money forever and expect to ever get out of that. You need to be making moves, investing in things, you know, and honestly, this is harder than it sounds because at first, you know, when you come out, when you're out of college or even fucking high school, who gives a shit? You're going to have to trade your time for money initially. But this is like what Jordy was saying uh, on the Black Swan podcast. Start out with a non-scalable job. So start out with a job that you can be like really sure that, you know, hey, if I drive for Uber, I will get paid and then work your way to something that grows and grows and grows. So um, that's a good goal. But if you're 22, you might have to wash some dishes, then become a server, then parlay that serving experience into a sales job. Sell your body, virtue, and soul to make sales for three years, and then you can be where you want to be. But Naval points out the internet has massively broadened the possible range of careers. Most people haven't figured that out yet. And that is fucking true. I mean, honestly, having an ass is now a viable business model. Same thing with people discussing murders and drinking. Uh, True Crime Garage podcast. Million dollar a year business. They honestly just drink alcohol and talk about murder. And Naval says, we are in the early fucking stages. The next Navalism, play iterated games. All returns in life come from compound interest. So iterated games, iterated means you start something, you fail, but you get a little better, you fail. You get a little better, you fail. You get a little better, and then and then compound interest kicks in, and then motherfucker, you've got a fucking pond of dollars. So the contrast would be like driving Uber actually is not an iterated game because it doesn't matter if you get better. Like, oh, you give a better experience. Yeah, like nebulously, you get more five-star reviews. People don't tip that much in Uber. But like if you are running the company of Uber... You try out an experiment in a new market. Ooh, it didn't work that well, but you learn something. Ooh, you try out another experiment in a different market. Ooh, that worked. And then all of a sudden, you shift your business model. That's an iterated game. And then compound interest is the craziest thing in the whole fucking world, which is basically that, you know, over a long period of time, if you just have a bucket of money that is compounding at even, even 10%, if you have a bucket of money that compounds at 10% for 40 years, 
it will be an uh, uh, an unimaginably bigger amount of money than your gut feel would say. Like your gut feel would say, you know, if you have a thousand dollars at ten percent, you know, in thirty years, it might be like maybe two thousand, but it's something like you know four hundred thousand. Insanity. Learn to sell. Learn to build. If you can do both, you will be unstoppable. And so what what I read that as is when he says build, I think he means he means code, but it could also be design. It could also be, you know, using a WordPress website, but building the best fucking website. And then sell, I don't think he means, you know, cold calling on the phone, but he means communicating your ideas in accessible human language. It could be public speaking, storytelling, actual sales. He says you do that. Ain't nobody stopping you. Arm yourself with specific knowledge, accountability, and leverage. Okay, so this is insane, and this is a lot of what this podcast is going to cover. Specific knowledge, and we're going to dig super deep into this, but as defined by Naval, specific knowledge is that knowledge that you can't really go get in school because if society can train you, they can train someone else. So like, Becoming a basic accountant is really not specific knowledge because you take a hundred people that are driven, 85 of them will become able to pass accounting exams and like successfully do taxes. What he's saying, specific knowledge is, you know, it's, it's the nuance of running a 10 person accounting firm. You can't really learn that in school. You know, you can kind of learn it with like an apprenticeship or like, you know, you have another person who runs a 15 person accounting firm and they kind of help you out. But um, if you can be trained in a school to do it exactly, it isn't valuable. And then to further on this, you know, anything that you do to get to that level, if it's this really hard fucking knowledge that can't be trained, it can't be can't be taught in a school. You know, it's really hard to be automated. Uh, Naval has this whole thesis that like, actually, it's already inside you. Now, I'm not sure how much I buy into it. I I think pretty much. But um, he's saying that, you know, that really hard knowledge that you alone are best at is found by pursuing your genuine, genuine curiosity and passion rather than what is hot right now. Building specific knowledge will feel like play to you and will look like work to others. So it makes me think of this. Um, weird Reddit post that I read like four years ago from some guy uh, who posted like, I don't even know what subreddit it was, but it was like, hey, I'm quitting my job to focus full time on my comic YouTube channel, but not comic like make stand up comedy comic like apparently there's this whole fucking super sophisticated universe of stories and shit with comics. And this dude, I, I bet now I can't remember his name. I could check, but like I bet he's got two or three million subscribers. I bet bet he's making $130,000 a year. And that is knowledge that to him, you know, getting so fucking nerdy about studying the storylines of fucking comics sounds actually like hell to me. Dude, I I would honestly rather spend six months learning Tibetan throat singing than do that. But he does it for free. And there's enough people out there that like that, that he turned that into a career because specific knowledge is often highly technical or creative and can't be outsourced or automated. So again, such a crazy idea, but you know, that's like the, that's like the, the videographer 
So like, yeah, you can learn some basic technical shit for being a videographer, but that's like the videographer, you know, doing 700 podcast intros and mastering their process and figuring out the exact best way to introduce a concept on a podcast. Like that's incredibly valuable. Everybody wants that. Nobody knows how to get it. If you can be like, hey, I've actually mastered this whole thing. Hire me. Bitch, you got a bunch of money. Um, and, and again, just to review this, the idea that began this whole goddamn rant is arm yourself with specific knowledge, accountability, and leverage. And so we're going to hit on each of those specifically. Ha, 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 shut the fuck up. We talked about specific knowledge a tiny bit. We're going to hit it way deeper. But again, you know, Eric's basically interviewing like the rich Indian Musashi. So just forgive Eric for his flaws with the organization. Embrace accountability and take business risks under your own name. Society will reward you with responsibility, equity, and leverage. So I feel this idea a bunch. So I'm basically, I'm in, loosely you could call it, I'm in sales at my company. So my job is to go out and come back with prospects who want to meet us and hopefully pay us hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if I book 10 to 15 meetings a month, so that's my metric, book a meeting. There's a sales rep whose meeting or whose metric is to, you know, work a deal and close the deal. So I get paid like a fixed fee if I book a meeting and the sales rep gets paid like a percentage of the deal, uh, but they take on a little bit more accountability. You know, they, they have sales goals. But now imagine, you know, if, if I start my own company. And I go and I book 15 meetings. Well, I actually don't give a shit that I booked a meeting, but if I if I take five of those five of those meetings and turn them into a million dollar deal, well, instead of me right now, you know, getting paid for booking 15 meetings and closing five deals, I get paid for the entirety of closing those five deals when I get all the revenue because I run the company. But it's a risk. You know, if I owned the company I worked at, I'd be paid, I'm not even kidding, I'd be paid 100x what I'm paid right now for every meeting I book. Because, you know, if you do the math, like we don't care about meetings booked actually, but like how many percentage actually close, blah, blah, blah. But I'd have to take on like 20 times more risk. So Naval, this is like the the Harry Potter Hogwarts moment. Naval was saying, would say, I need to take accountability under my own name because if I do that, society will give me responsibility equity and leverage okay okay i can i can i can hang dog next is is kind of this is kind of like the whole theme for the whole podcast series which is apply specific knowledge with leverage and eventually you will get what you deserve so again specific knowledge but bitch it's not eric's fault be supportive of him specific knowledge cannot be taught but it can be learned. Uh, Naval says, when I talk about specific knowledge, I mean, figure out what you were doing as a kid or teenager almost effortlessly. Something you didn't even consider a skill, but people around you did. So, you know, examples could be musical talent. You just fucking, like, which I don't even need friends. I just want to play the clarinet. Maybe you had an obsessive personality. Maybe you dive deeper into things. You remember them more quickly. Maybe you've got this like ridiculous mind and you remember baseball facts or like fantasy football. That's actually, you derive 40% of your meaning in, in life from fantasy football. 
Hmm, that's some specific knowledge. Maybe, maybe you loved gossiping. Like you just intuitively knew the web of interactions between 40 of your best friends and you're always in it. You know, maybe you'd be a very interesting journalist. Maybe you love playing games or doing puzzles. Specific knowledge is sort of this weird combination of unique traits from your DNA, your unique upbringing, and your response to it. It's almost baked into your personality and your identity. Then you hone it. So like for Naval, you know, he just is so good at reading books, talking his way out of getting mugged, and if he has to, capping a motherfucker using violence of action. But like for me, you know, I've all we, we grew up moving around, so I always read books. Uh, we'd always have these, you know, long car trips because we'd, you know, be traveling a bunch. So, you know, I never shut the fuck up. I have this super addictive personality. So, you know, I, I in another life, I could actually be a drug addict. Um, I love winning more than anything. I love negotiating. Uh, you know, so when we visited China, um, you know, everybody wanted to go see the damn temples. I wanted to negotiate in the markets. I lost a friendship one time because I went to India and my friend was like, who was who hosting me and he was from India. He was like, you will never get as good of a deal as me because I am brown and you are white. And I was like, fucking challenge accepted so i just went full-on total war scorched earth with these you know with these shopkeepers and apparently in in some shop i was disrespectful and negotiating too hard and the friendship fizzled out so like i do that naturally i'm not even acting like i have to i have to coach myself not to act like that so so what can i do that's that's close to all those things you know, I'd say being in sales is pretty close. You know, maybe having a podcast and selling ads for my own podcast, maybe that's pretty close. Um, because Naval would say, no one can compete with you on being you. Most of life is a search for who and what needs you the most. So for Naval, he says he loves to read and he loves technology. He learns very quickly and he gets bored fast. Now, if he had to go into a profession where he was required to tunnel down for 20 years into the same topic, it would not have worked. But he's in venture investing where he has to come up to speed on new technologies very quickly he's and he's rewarded for getting bored since new technologies keep popping up. So, you know, he gets up to speed on cryptocurrencies in nine months and just when he's getting to be bored, you know, telekinesis comes out. Naval says, I, ha I have some sales skills which is a form of specific knowledge. I have some analytical skills on how to make money. Good point. That's all the analytical skills you need. And I have an ability to absorb data, obsess over it, and break it down. I also love tinkering. All of this stuff feels like play to me, but it looks like work to others. He said his, he said that his mom was the first person to point out his specific knowledge. He was like, mom, I'm gonna go into science. And his mom's like, bitch, you're not. I guarantee you're going to go into business. You're the only 13-year-old I've ever met that analyzes the pricing strategy at a fucking restaurant. Okay, all your other friends, they want Pokemon. They want girls. You're over there suggesting a new pricing strategy to the owner who's like, why is your son fucking talking to me? Get out of here. You're going into business. Naval says specific knowledge is found much more by pursuing your innate talents, your genuine curiosity, and your passion. 
It is not by going to school for whatever is the hottest job or what the investors say. Very often, specific knowledge is at the edge of knowledge. It's also stuff that only now is being figured out or is really, really hard to figure out. You know, if you're not 100% into it, somebody else who is 100% will outperform you. And they won't just outperform you by a little, but by a lot. Because now we're operating in the domain of ideas where compound interest really applies and leverage really applies. So let's think about the comic book guy example. You know, if I had to start a YouTube channel, die, you know, like analyzing the storylines of all these fucking comic books I don't care about, you know, I could have a lot of discipline. I could do it. But at the, the moment that I take the foot off the gas, that dude doesn't even have a gas pedal. His gas pedal is always on because he loves this shit. They're going to outperform you. So for me, I would not do that. But, you know, maybe growing up, you're that kid that all you fucking read cookbooks for fun, dog. Okay, well, maybe you should actually be a chef. Okay, but if I wanted to go be a chef because like, well, you know, being a chef is a useful skill and it's, you know, it's uh, like pretty aligned with my interests from a work-life balance perspective. <sighs> Bitch, you read cookbooks for fun when you were eight. You're going to crush me. And again, the internet has massively broadened the space of careers. Most people haven't figured that out yet. He's saying with the internet, you, you can just go on the internet, find your audience and create a product or business and build wealth just by uniquely expressing yourself through the internet. And I'd point out this podcast is uh, sponsored by whiskey and probably would, would fall under that example, though, like the make a living thing, like I'm waiting for it, Naval. But he, he brings up a great point. He says, if you are fundamentally building and marketing something that is an extension of who you are, who can compete with you? Who can compete with Joe Rogan? I mean, that's a great point. Man, I, I actually, on my second monitor, I have a, I don't know, five foot by, well, okay, I'm, I have a 16 inch by 16 inch picture blown up. I don't fucking know. It's, a, it's covering the whole monitor of the dragon smog sitting on his treasure by myself at my house recording this podcast. Okay, no one can compete with me on being me. Same thing. Find the thing that no one can compete with you on being you. The most important skill for getting rich is becoming a perpetual learner. You have to know how to learn anything you want to learn. And I would put in a shameless plug and say, uh, check out the talent code, Genius Explained, and the mastery episodes on this here podcast if you want to get the quick 80-20 on how to learn. So that was Naval. So, so kind of the structure of this is Naval stands up on his wizard's rock. He raises his hands above his head. He casts spells into the ether. And then Eric walks him down and they have tea. And then they discuss. Like, wait, Naval, when you were casting that spell and you, and you beheaded that guy, how did you do that? So now into the discussion, Eric asks, you said all returns in life come from compound interest. How does one know if they are if they are earning compound interest? Naval says, compound interest is a very powerful concept and it applies to more than just compounding capital. So that's what people typically think with compound interest. And so he kind of just like breezes over that, assuming that that you're not a baboon, but I don't want to make that assumption. Let me let me help you out. So um, I already kind of barely touched on it, but 
crazy thought experiment I always talk about to, to illustrate compound interest is if you had a grain of rice and a chessboard, and on the first square you had one, second square you had two, third square you had four, fourth square you had eight, and you doubled it all the way to the end of the chessboard, how many how many grains of rice do you think you'd have? You know, a thousand, five thousand, hundred thousand, over a billion, bitch. Compound interest, very powerful. Compounding in business relationships is also very important. Look at some of the top roles in society. The CEO of a public company. They're trusted by the relationships they've built in the past and the work they've done has compounded. Compound interest also applies to your reputation. If you do a good job over 20 or 30 years, your reputation will literally end up being thousands of times more valuable than someone who is talented but hasn't kept their reputation compounding. Um, he brings up this venture capital angel investor dude who uh, he does a lot of deals with named Elad. Uh, this, he, apparently, this dude's really cool and bends, bends over backward to make sure that all the deals are fair to Naval. But Naval says, because he goes so far out of his way to treat me well, I send him every deal I have. I try to include him on everything. I try to go out of my way to help him. Compounding in those relationships is very valuable. And this also got me thinking that, you know, sometimes compounding at the beginning doesn't look like much. You know, going from one grain to two grains feels a lot different than going from, you know, 500 million to a billion grains. But, um, you know, I've been, dude, I've been going hard as shit since I was like 23 and I'm, I'm 30 now. And, and you know, and there've been years where it seriously felt like nothing or going backwards or just like, oh, cool, I paid my mortgage, yeah. But Naval's saying that those years, you know, it's just like when you look at your investment account and, you know, you're up 20% and, and you know, and you go from 1,000 to 1,200. But all of a sudden, you got 15 years in and you're, and you know, you're doubling from 200 to 400, 400 to 800 and shit starts to get real. So it's giving me hope here. Naval now moves into only 1% of efforts are really valuable. So this is a crazy idea, but let me, let me, uh, illustrate with, with a couple examples. So, um, my good friend, Jordy, he's now moved to Miami. Oh, Jordy. And he got his job working for one of the top minds in the crypto space by sending an email. That changed his whole career path, his whole trajectory. He fired a client that was giving him a lot of money to go throw the dice. I recently uh, watched for a year for a hailstorm. I don't think I should say it. Mm. Okay, I got a terrible hailstorm. My roof was very damaged and I'm getting a new roof because you know that's, that's just the distillation of the 80-20 principle. Just saying that in this world of compounding, in this world of the internet, sometimes a tiny little choice changes everything. And, you know, Naval is logically consistent and insane. And so he says, when you're dating, the instant you know the relationship is not going to be the one that leads to marriage, you should probably move on. When you're studying something like geography and you're and you realize you're never going to use this information, drop the class. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of brain energy. Now again, I think some some really good points of all, but it's hard because it's it's very hard to identify what the one percent is. Okay, like yes, there is that one percent out there, but the way to find it a lot of times is to leave. You know, like let's say you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Well, the way you find it is like fucking looking through all the hay. And I would say that. 
you can obviously it can be taken too far you know what if that person you're not going to marry is really really hot but um we get the message Naval. accountability remember embrace accountability and take business risks under your own name society will reward you with responsibility equity and leverage accountability is super important because it bears risk you risk failure you risk humiliation you risk failure under your under your own name but modern society we don't have a debtor's prison people aren't imprisoned or executed for losing other people's money you know a personal example for Naval is up until 2013 his public persona was just about investing in startups but then he wanted to get all philosophical and was scared but he hardened the fuck up and it worked out he says i took the risk when you put your name out there you take a risk but you also reap the benefits you get the benefits realize that in modern society the downside risk is not that large even personal bankruptcy can wipe the debts clean in good ecosystems in general people will forgive failures as long as you were honest and made a high integrity effort you know maybe you try to make a dog social media you know like man i'm gonna all these dogs are gonna talk and everyone's like that's the dumbest fucking idea i've ever heard bro you're like no man i believe you know everybody loves their dogs like they care about a man and then nobody fucking cares about your idea you know you go back to a venture capitalist and you're like look dude i wasted two years of my life i put my heart money and soul into this and it didn't work that venture capitalist is gonna be like well probably you probably learned a lot of lessons didn't you boy Naval says, there's really not much to fear in terms of failure, and so people should take on a lot more accountability than they do. Holy shit. So we've, we've already touched on a couple things in his little triad of specific knowledge, accountability, and leverage. So we've, we've already touched on specific knowledge and accountability. The next crazy fucking concept is leverage. But... If you want to learn about leverage, why it's insane, why it's the best, then Naval walks into how to get lucky, how to get rich, how to harness the God's magic for your own financial gain. You're going to have to tune in next time on the next episode of the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that's my pretties is another episode down of the Curiously Disagreeable Podcast. Check us out. CuriouslyDisagreeable.com, the Troy Hollings on Instagram, or wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. The end.